but I remember I they have like a sharing portion and I was just looking at each individual as they were sharing and there was just like such an outpouring of love like I could just feel like oh my gosh like that that's a child of God and it's so cool because you have people show up to those groups and regardless of whether they had viewed pornography 30 minutes ago or three years ago doesn't matter like they they're showing up and that's them showing to Jesus Christ hey like I'm still in the fight it's time for another episode of the cultural hall and uh, the way this episode came about is that uh, Maddie who is my guest she sent an email contact at the culturalhall.com and I want to use a little bit of that email to sort of start out this conversation. It says, hi, my name is Maddie, and I'm a freshman at BYU. Over the past few months, I've felt an extremely strong prompting that I have a work to do in the area of helping young girls who are struggling with pornography. For a while, I've tried to rationalize it, ignore it, and uh, you know, ignore the prompting. But Heavenly Father has confirmed to me again and again, that this is something that needs to happen and that there is a huge need for it. She goes on to say that she loves the cultural hall. So she, you know, she has culture. So we invited her into the cultural hall to share her story. Welcome, Maddie. Thank you. Happy to be here. So uh, that's certainly, I mean, as an introduction, that's, that is a lot of things that we're going to unpack in the, in the next few minutes that we have. Uh, But I guess I would first say, you know, for people that are listening, they go, hold on, wait a minute, a a girl, a woman who's addicted to pornography? And we know that it happens, um, but I don't know that we've ever even done an episode, or if we have, it's been a good long time since we've talked about it. So I appreciate you being willing to come in and talk about this topic. Absolutely. And then I'll also say, uh, I'm glad to know that you won't be ignoring promptings anymore. That's a that's a good life lesson. <laughs> when, <It really> is. <laughs> when, when it gets insistent, you go, all right, all right, all right, I'll do it, I'll do it. So uh, pick up that story um, maybe when it started, when it began, when you first had the opportunity to view pornography. Is that a good place to start, do you think? That's perfect. Um, so I found it probably around 13 Um, And it was, I knew at the time I knew, okay, this is, this feels good, but I knew it was, it felt wrong, but I just, I didn't have a full, a full grasp on it. I can't remember exactly the first time that I saw it, but I do remember um, the feelings and my memory is pretty blurry of that. And I actually think that's for a couple of reasons. If you don't mind, I'm going to kind of dive into that. That's interesting. Um, So one, pornography is very, very numbing. It's an escape. It's a tool used to numb your mind, um, just like any other addictive substance. Um, And I had I was talking to one of my friends um, and he's he struggled with it. And he described it as when he would view it, it was an out of body experience. Mm. And I feel like that describes it very, very well, because it really is. It's used as an escape. It's used to avoid those bigger problems that you don't want to confront head on. So Um, then so then uh, let me ask you this, knowing uh, that it was 13. And for people that may be listening and go, okay, how old is a freshman at BYU? Well, you are 18. So this is, this is in the recent ish past. What, right. what at 13, um, were you trying to, you know, n- numb out from or hide away from? That's a good question. Um, I think like a lot of 13 year old girls, I was just having a hard time kind of figuring out who I was. Um, I think I had some issues with, my body and just body image. I think another thing, another huge thing is in the church, it's really not talked about a, about a woman's sexuality. And mm-hmm. so I, it was a whole new thing. And I was like, oh, like this is new and this is, I'm just figuring it out. You know, like it really did. People say that their pornography addiction started from genuine curiosity. And I think that really is what um, started, but I, I think pretty early on, I knew that it wasn't something that was good for me, but I didn't know how to stop. Hmm. Okay. So felt good, knew it was wrong. And then you don't actually remember your first incident, but people would probably also be curious, is this like home computer? Is it on your phone? Like, how were you able to access it? Uh, on yeah, the it, was, it was just on my phone. Hmm. Yep. Yep. 
And I guess the other question that I would have around it, was there any um, thought around talking to your parents about it, either right after you first viewed it or at what point did you realize that maybe you needed to reach out to somebody else? Yeah. So I actually, I actually didn't end up telling my parents until like a couple months ago. And it's very surprising. And for some people, that's, that's what's right because maybe their parents wouldn't take it the right way, Mm -hmm. but I don't recommend not telling anyone. (laughs) Um, If you are struggling with it, I do recommend tell someone that you trust. That's the very first step. Um, So, yeah, I didn't I didn't tell my parents until a a couple months ago. I was raised in a very um, religious household, um, but they were also they were really good with that stuff. My Mm -hmm. brother actually I'm going to kind of jump jump a little bit ahead. Please. Um, So my brother. I did get permission from him to share this. Good. I was just about to say, we don't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So he had been fighting and struggling with pornography. And the bishop at the time um, told him that he couldn't take the sacrament for three months and then even pushed it to six months. And at this time, he was thinking, man, like, I'm not even sure I want to go on a mission. I'm feeling so defeated. Uh, he reached out to my dad. He said, man, like, I don't know if I can keep fighting this battle. I don't even know if it's worth it. Um, and there was a moment that my dad had just seeing his son in like absolute anguish. And I mean, I'm not a parent, but I can imagine that would be pretty horrible. Yeah. Uh, and he just wanted to tell him, hey, like, it's OK. Stop. Stop beating yourself up. But then he kind of had this realization that what he actually needed to tell him was like, this is it. This is life. This is war there's there's only war and so he wrote out he wrote out this really really amazing text um it's kind of long but i'm i'm going to read it because i it's worth it's worth the time absolutely so this, so this is the text from your father to your brother yes that's okay. correct so and it's very it's just beautiful poetic i love okay so i'll just dive right in it says there is no peace there is only war i believe in serenity stillness civility, and tranquility, but not peace. Peace, when defined as the absence of conflict or war, is a myth, an imposter, a lie. It is a false god we've been taught to worship by pansies and evildoers. There is only war. I believe in winning, but not victory. There is no ultimate or final victory, at least not in this life. And candidly, the next life seems less attractive if if the concept of a final victory exists. But I'll leave that to a much wiser general than me. My heaven is Valhalla. There is only war. But how can there only be war? What about surrender? There is no peace through surrender. Surrender is simply one's decision to declare war on themselves. The war continues after surrender. It gets more costly, futile, and painful. There is only war. Okay, and I'm going to pause for just a second. This next part is my absolute favorite part. Um, I remember, so there was one night when, for some reason, the topic of pornography came up between me and my dad. And this is before I had ever uh, told him anything about my personal struggles. Mm -hmm. He had no idea. And this kind of inspired me to um, tell him and get my own help. So he said, I want to celebrate winning with you and honor every day of your fight. I want to be yoked together in this war, whether you've won or lost any particular battle on any particular day doesn't matter to me at all. I want to to be fueled by the brotherhood that comes from going to war together. I want to be bloodied, exhausted, humbled, and yet undeterred from the path, the war path. There is only war. Would you agree to text me first thing when you wake up and last thing before you go to bed to tell me whether you're winning or losing? Please don't ever hesitate if slash when the text is I'm losing. That text is the the one that matters most because it means we are still in the fight. There is no peace. There is only war. Love the war. I love being in it with you. Mm. Wow. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I remember, like, I remember hearing that and I was like, well, he's right. (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, it's just, it kind of proved to me that it's a choice to, to fight every single day. And the definition of that has kind of changed over the years to me. It doesn't mean that it's a choice to, 
to win or lose the battle. It's just a choice of whether you wake up in the morning. And so I, w- I was listening. I'm going to kind of quote him on this. I was listening to a podcast um, called Unashamed, Unafraid. And there's this amazing kid, Smith Alley. Mm-hmm. Um, he speaks up a lot about this. And he put it in the way of um, you have like I- I'm choosing to face God every day, whether I'm taking a step forward or taking a step backward. I'm still always facing him. I thought that put it really well. So that's, I just love it. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm curious, uh, because you see this sort of walked out with your brother and with your dad and and you're able to kind of be the third person in the room. That's like, I've got something that nobody knows, but I know that this is going on for the two of you. Do you go to brother first and say, Hey, this is what's going on. Or did you go to your mom or your dad? Who was the first person that you talked to? And what what was that conversation like? First person I ever told was actually my bishop. Okay. Um, I talked to him at age 14, I think. And that was like, it was like walking in the bishop's office versus walking out was like a night and day experience. Tell me what you mean. (laughs) Because up until then, I had felt so much shame and so much guilt and like, man, like I genuinely thought, I genuinely thought I was the only person in the world that struggled with this. And that's part of the reason I I'm so passionate about sharing this message is I know that there's so many young girls out there that feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the reason that I felt that is one pornography in and of itself, very isolating, very just I mean, the act in, in and of itself, you have to isolate your mind. You have to isolate yourself from your family. Um, just get into a different out-of-body kind of state of mind. Anyway, so um, back to the feelings of shame and guilt. I also remembered in young women's lessons or just talking to um, young women's leaders, when the subject of pornography would come up, they kind of treated it lightly. And that's not 100% their fault. They grew up in a different generation where this mm-hmm. this issue is not as prominent. Um, they don't understand what it's like to be bombarded with those messages on social media and everything constantly. Um, but I just remember feeling like, yeah, like this, this is just a guy's problem. Mm. Um, so anyway, um, that buildup of shame and of guilt kept me from the bishop's office for quite a while. And I remember I was sitting outside of the bishop's office and um, like, it it was like Joseph Smith in the sacred grove. (laughs) Like it was just, it was just such a buildup. And I genuinely, I genuinely had the thought of like, I'm going to go in there and he's going to be like, really? Like Maddie, like you, you struggle with this. And you just think that I was just gross. And which obviously not, not at all. And I went in and it was an amazing experience. And I came out and you don't realize how much um, pornography numbs your mind and it it forces you, it, it doesn't allow you to feel those like extreme emotions, like extreme joy or even extreme sadness. Um, and I remember walking out of there and for the first time in a while, I realized how much I had missed out on. And I just, I, I walked home and I just like cried the entire time because I was so happy. It it felt like such a weight being lifted off. So. What, what do you think that the uh, bishop did right? I mean, you talk about this, what essentially is a euphoric experience, right? That you're able to feel all this weight lifted off and you're able to, you know, cry all the way home, which I've, I've done that before, post uh, bishop's interview before. <laughs> Different thing, but definitely I was like, oh, thank you. But um. What what do you feel like uh, he did right that allowed that experience to go so well? Because not you you probably know not everyone's experience when they go and first tell someone it is great. Sometimes it is very much like what you said, like you are disgusting. How dare you? And I'm not putting that on any particular bishop or anything. But what do you think he did well that allowed it to be such a great experience? Right, that's a good question, and I I'm. First off, I'm so grateful that it was a good experience because you're right. There are so many. Um, I've heard of so many bad experiences with that. And um, as far as what I think that he did right, I remember just going in there and I I told him and I was already crying. And I know that he could see a lot of the pain and guilt that I had um, kind of been going through. And I think the first thing, thing that he did was just assured me, hey, like you are still loved. 
you are still just as worthy and like like your worth it's never going to change and your value to god never going to change so i think that was probably the biggest thing was there ever a moment before you got in his office where you're like okay i'm here at the church but i'm leaving right now you mentioned sort of that joseph smith moment and that's what i actually thought you were thinking about which is like <laughs> the the you know quote darkness that sort of comes right before the light and it's like ah nope i'm out yeah um so I knew that that moment would come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I texted the bishop. I think I texted him probably on a Wednesday or Thursday. So you have those like three or four days leading up where you're just like, oh my gosh, why did yeah. I do that? Why did I do that? Like <laughs> just dreading it. But I remember when I sent that text, I made a commitment to myself. I'm like, I'm going to church and then I'm staying in the church building until I meet with him. And so I kind of, I didn't even allow myself out of the building because <laughs> I knew how, how much I really wanted it as much as like the adversary was going to beat down on me and tell me, no, you don't like, he's just gonna, he's going to judge you and it's going to be so scary. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I made a commitment and then I made sure I kept it. Uh, I want to ask one more question and we'll take a quick break. So you come home from meeting with the bishop. I presume your parents would know that that's where you had been, that you were at some sort of church thing. You come home crying. You, there wasn't any sort of curiosity as to like, hey, hey, pal, what's going on? Everything okay? <laughs> well, I I quickly sucked those tears back up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think I probably just went into the kitchen and I don't think my face really showed that I mm. had been crying, so... And I think even if it did, there was probably just a feeling that my parents weren't going to ask. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's funny. Uh, so I think back of when I had my first bishop's interview where I had done something and and I remember, and they don't do this anymore, hallelujah, uh, but he gave me a copy of Miracle of Forgiveness, which the mm-hmm. old uh, President Kimball book, which they don't print anymore because it some of it is a bit shaming. Um mm-hmm. But I remember, you know, walking home with that and like plopping it down on the counter. And I'm sure my parents were like, duh, what's going on? You know, all of the signs. And I just was like, oh, no, no, just we were just visiting. There's not anything. What? What's going on? We weren't talking about anything. And they look at the book and I'm like, listen, I'm not talking about it. Uh, yeah. let's, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about like uh, friends, friends group, the the circle and, and some of the things that uh, maybe you experienced or learned about other people in your same age group within high school. And then how you got to where now you're sharing it on podcasts around the world. We'll come back and do that in the second block of the cultural hall. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, I've had tremendous success with people like Maddie reaching out. Contact at theculturalhall.com. I want you to know that I get all the emails and we're working our way through them to try and be able to get guests here into the Cultural Hall. Uh, So whether it's you or someone you know, you can always send it. It never closes. It's contact at theculturalhall.com. Give us as much information uh, about your story or about the person that you think would be a great story, and then we can be able to reach out with them. And bonus points, if it's not you and you leave like a phone number or an email address of how we can get in touch with that other person, there are plenty that are like, you should talk to this person. And then when I reply back, they go, yeah, no, I don't know that person. It'd just be a great interview. So bonus if you actually know the person. Uh, that's contact at the culturalhall.com. So Maddie, you go, you talk to the bishop, though, a, a weight sort of off, a relief, a reassurance of your worth, but that's 14. And you didn't tell your parents for several years after that. And meanwhile, oh, you're in high school. This is like the high school, everything high school, everything, you know, a continuous sort of discovery of your of your sexuality, uh, you know, of of dating, of of all of these things. In in the meanwhile, you've got this secret of pornography. Yeah. Um, so just, man, I have a lot of stories about this. <laughs> so, 
Okay, I'm the type. We'll just start off. I'm I'm the type of person. I have a couple close friends, and mm-hmm. I keep close, and I keep them for a long time. Um, and so I have a really, a couple of my close friends have opened up to me. Um, and it's it's been interesting. Most of them being guys that have opened up to me. Um, and then I have a couple of girls that have opened up to me. And it's just so interesting hearing the difference because when you hear the guys tell their story. They say, yeah, and then I went to the support group and then I blah, blah, blah. And then you hear the girls tell their story and they're like, I've never told anyone that. And mm. I don't, I plan to take it to my grave. And it's so, it's just so sad because it's like, there are resources out there to help, but they're not talked about enough. And they're, it it, it just doesn't feel like they're actually tangible when you're in that kind of place of distress. Do you think that it's, it, it is because like how I introduced that it's just not talked about that literally we just, we hear pornography and we are automatically assume men, even though there is a, an increasingly uh, amount of use in, in women and especially young women that it's just, we need to catch up with the times or, you know, we need to have conversations like this. What do you, what do you think the difference is? Why, why is it like that? Well, I can tell you why. So um, there's, there are, um, there's a much larger proportion of young men versus mm-hmm. young women that struggle with it. Um, I think it's, don't quote me on this, but it's like 90, 30. I was reading a book. It's called He Restoreth My Soul. If you haven't read it, it's about um, pornography addiction. And oh my gosh, it's amazing. So I was reading that and that's that's from that book. So that's what I'm quoting. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so greater proportion of young men versus young women that struggle with it. And then you look at the resources and yes, there's a greater proportion of resources for young men, but if you're looking at the proportion of young women that struggle with it versus the resources that are available to them, there's a huge, huge difference. Um, and so I think that since we just assume that it's a guy's problem, then there's no women that are willing to talk about it because mm-hmm. they're like, okay, yeah, like I struggle with it too, but I'm probably the only one. And then you have this 31 in three women thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. You know. So so then similarly, are there uh are there, like you mentioned, for the for the you know, men or, or boys that they can go to the support group and stuff like that? Are there starting to be increasingly more of those things for women only or girls only, or are we not caught up to that yet? Yeah, so we actually are. Um, at least so I'm here in Provo at BYU. I actually just recently attended. There's a pornography addiction support group just for women only, um, which is awesome that we have that. Because I remember I was reading, actually, He Restores My Soul. And it was saying, any women who are struggling with this, you can attend a general addiction um, church-sponsored support group. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're hoping to have ones for women who are just struggling with pornography soon, but not yet. And I think that book was written in 2016 or so. And so then like I dropped the book and I was like, well, I got to find out. And if there's not any, then like we got to start this. And so luckily there are. So anyway, I went and man, what an amazing experience, but there's still so much work to do. There were about, I think probably 15 to 20 people um, Mm -hmm. in the group. And if we're looking at that statistic of 30% of women are struggling with this, we have an entire student body at BYU of 30,000 students. We'll take half of those, 15,000 young women. Even if there are only, let's say 10%, 10%, we'll give like benefit of the doubt 10%, there should be 1,500. We should be filling the churches, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so there is still a huge, like, there's just there's so much work to be done, but we are making making progress. What's the significance with it being females only? What what does that provide that maybe a, a co-ed group wouldn't be good? Or is this something that you would never do in a co-ed group? Or what's the power that's drawn on from being just with women and talking about this? Oh, man. So I know personally, um, I don't think I would feel as comfortable in a co-ed group. Not for I mean. I don't know. I can't think of any particular reason, but because we're all struggling with the same thing, but it's just cool to be, there's just a feeling of like sisterhood. Like I remember sitting in the meeting and it was so cool. It was, 
so I don't even know any of those people and you go by first name basis too so it's Mm -hmm. not like you really know anything about them but I remember I they have like a sharing portion and I was just looking at each individual as they were sharing and there was just like such an outpouring of love like I could just feel like oh my gosh like that that's a child of God and it's so cool because you have people show up to those groups and regardless of whether they had viewed pornography 30 minutes ago or three years ago doesn't matter like they they're showing up and that's them showing to Jesus Christ hey like I'm still in the fight and so really I think like having all women it I don't know it's it's just really empowering and it you just feel such a sisterhood and feel feel like you're with kindred spirits what what was it for you that um that turned it from oh hey this one time I sort of viewed this you know, I happened upon it. It was on my phone, whatever the the incident, that in, that inciting incident was. What was the transition from where you went? I have viewed this to I am now addicted to it. So actually, um, I actually don't really like to use the term. Addiction. Yeah, there and there's lots of people who push against it. So that's why I'm curious as to yeah. how you personally and everyone will have a bajillion opinions about whether or not what you're about to say is right or wrong. <laughs> but I am curious as to how you oh, feel. This is more than just, I have viewed this 10 times in a month. This is something compulsory or something like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, And also just on your point, like, these are all my opinions for everyone listening. (laughs) Please don't like, this is all just me. I, I'm not an expert in this matter, but anyway, so as far as defining it as an addiction goes, so an addiction is defined as something that you can't live without. And it never got to the point where I couldn't live without it. It was more, I, I'd like, I'd prefer to call it more of like a bad habit. Okay. Um, Cause I don't think it ever got to the point where it was like, I live and breathe this and I need it every day. Um, it, I don't think it ever got to that point, which I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I got help before that. And I think one of the things that, that, um, that people that push against addiction, like to point out is that the point that you say that it's an addiction, it almost labels you as powerless to be able to, to conquer the thing. And so I I know that that's some of the disparity as to why they choose not to say addiction, but you know, addictive behavior or poor choices towards an addictive behavior, but not necessarily addiction. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you hear people say, well, I mean, pornography, that's just something that you're going to struggle with your whole, your whole life. Not necessarily. I mean, (laughs) you're going to be in recovery your whole life. And that's awesome. That's an awesome process to go through. Um, but it's not necessarily you, you, you view it a couple times or for a couple months or even years and it's just a rest. That's the rest of your life thing. So that's kind of why I don't like to label it as an addiction, but that's just because of my definition of addiction. But Mm -hmm. again, people are going to have different opinions, different definitions, and that's totally fine. So stepping into your timeline as we've kind of wrapped this up, uh, where you're in high school, you, you, you know, this is getting to the point probably of graduation, uh, you know, or, or right around that time it, uh, it, you've been dating, you've known people that have maybe opened up to you a little bit, but is this pretty well still just a secret that you have kept from anyone that you go to school with, or do people kind of know, Oh yeah, if I know if I struggle with this, I can kind of talk to Maddie a little bit about it, but you still haven't um, told your parents. So as far as high school goes, so right now I'm in my second semester of college, just for context. Um, I wasn't super open with it. Like my close friends knew, my family, um, for the most part knew. I don't know if my little sister knew. Um, I just didn't feel a need to tell her. Um, But I wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like, like people wouldn't just know me for that. Mm -hmm. But that's because I kind of started getting these promptings like I was talking about in the email about June or July um, of 2022 and I kind of pushed them away and like I said I was kind of rationalizing them and I was talking I was kind of talking back to Heavenly Father and I was like look man like I'm 18 I'm a college freshman I'm just trying to learn how to cook my own meals like I can't take this on if I can Um, get a little assist with the laundry let's talk that then we can do this other stuff down the road come on Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, to answer your question, no, but I am a lot, a lot more open with it now just because I can see 
how big of a problem it is and I'm finally I'm finally listening to Heavenly Father <laughs> decided to listen to the promptings. <laughs> so when you talk about that it's a thing um and I tend to agree with that where it's a thing to numb out like there's things in your life that you're like oh I need the the break from I need the release from and and um uh, and pornography can s- sort of serve as that release it is the way that you sort of found your way through it was to work on those things that you would need to numb out from and, and do the work in that space so that then you wouldn't need the the resolution or how did you, cause I'm assuming based on your statement of recovery for life, that that's sort of the phase that you're in right now. So how do you get from, Oh man, I'm, I'm doing this a lot or a lot more than I would like to, you know, for my personal well being to recovery. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. And I think, I mean, I think you said it perfectly, like it really is, it's tackling those problems that are bugging you head on. Um, I'm, I'm like a huge, I love all things mental toughness. And so kind of participating in that and building that area of myself, obviously like you can't, you can't beat a pornography addiction by just pure willpower. And that's not what I'm advocating for, but yeah, tackling those problems that are the underlying underlying root of the problem head on. That's the only way that you're gonna be able to kind of, yeah, like stop using pornography as an escape. So, give me an idea what that looks like if you're willing to share something that you that you know you would need the release or the break from. How did you? What was it? And then how did you find your way through it? I love the idea of sort of that uh, emotional intelligence or mental toughness. Man, okay, there there's a lot of things. So you don't have to share all of them, just one. Oh, that's all good. <laughs> For one. Um, so there were like some issues with um my parents and their relationship. And that was kind of, man, I need to escape from this. This is so heavy. I don't know how to handle all of this. And instead of turning to God, I would just turn turn to something that would turn my brain off, you know? Mm. Um, and that's actually I mean, kind of, this is kind of a little tangent, but that's, when you're looking at pornography, you are always looking for God. And I've kind of had little realizations of like, okay, what specifically am I viewing and what aspect of God am I looking for? Hmm. Because it's like, it's always going to tie back to God. What you are really looking for is God. And it's, it's harder. It's so much harder to actually get down on your knees and say a prayer and be vulnerable and tackle those things head on. than it is to just flip on your phone and not think any thoughts, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm amazed at several times as we've been talking sort of the courageousness that you, uh, empower others to have. And and also that you have to be able to say, Hey, you know what? This happens. Okay. Rather than, Oh my gosh, this happens. I can't believe, I can't believe you, you know, like real, like really just having this sort of conversation and for a a young person like yourself to be able to say, Hey, and us too, not just, you know, boys and men and not just women, but also young women, girls in middle and high school. This is their experience as well. Is this something that, as you, you know, you've mentioned that you're just in your first year in college, is this something that you're going to pursue academically and, and want to work in this space? Or is this just because of your own personal interest and it's something that you're passionate about? That's a good question. Um, I am still figuring that out. Actually, one thing, kind of as I've had this journey of following the promptings. So originally it started out and I was like, going super ambitious. I was like, okay, I got to write a book. I got to have a website. I got to have all <laughs> these things. Um, and I think Heavenly Father has kind of been trying to teach me because I'm very, like, I'm very, like, goal-oriented. Like, this is the end goal. This is how we're going to work towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, take things into my own hands. And I think one of the huge things that Heavenly Father has been trying to teach me is it's, a, it's actually okay to just take it step by step. And so as of now, what my goal is, is get really good at telling my story. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually okay with just having the end goal be help a couple of young women who are struggling with this. And so I, I'm headed on a mission in six months. And so that's kind of a little, um, I, I wanted to see how much I could do before 
those six months are over. So that's what I'm doing. I'm just going out and sharing my story. And if Heavenly Father gives me the next step in the next couple months, then we'll act on that. But for now, that's that's what it is. <laughs> so how do you engage? Because I would imagine just like when you first went to the bishop and had that first conversation, when you went and told your parents for the first time the, the sensitivity of that situation, when people reach out to you and say, hey, Maddie, I saw your post and I'd like to talk to you or, hey, I listened to your episode of the Cultural Hall and I want to you know, be able to visit with you. What uh, what do you sort of take into that conversation or how do you engage with someone that would engage with you to say, hey, this is the thing I'm struggling with, knowing that they probably haven't shared it with many or maybe anybody? Oh, man. Okay. I just, first off, like, I would just love to give them a hug <laughs> and tell them, like, love one, give them a hug. And two, I think the most important thing that they need to hear is you are not alone. You are not alone at all. Um, and if you're struggling with that, um, like, it's it's okay. And your value hasn't changed. And you are still just as much as a valued child of God as you were before. And that's never going to change no matter what you do. Um, how, 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 so I want to ask around that because I think, I think logically, as I hear you say that I go, yeah, of course, right. God loves all of us. And of course our worth is the same, but I'm not sure if you've ever had this experience. I'll go out on a limb and say that I know I have where I'm like, well, sure for everyone, but this that I did, you know, I mean, like it applies to like most things, but not this. Or sure, sure, Maddie. Yeah, no, I still, I know I'm still worth, but I only told you like a small bit of what I'm struggling with. You don't know the whole story. If you knew, there was no way that you would think that. How do you sort of reassure that when people are struggling? Oh my gosh! So I have had that feeling before, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking at the beginning when I was struggling with these things, especially when I thought I was literally the only woman on the world. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I, it. I was like yeah like the atonement that's an awesome gift for everyone else <laughs> but me yeah <laughs> like that's really cool for them <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah I've definitely I've had that same feeling and you know what anything that I tell them is not going to be as powerful as them feeling it and and actually partaking in the power of the atonement and so I think what I would do with that is just start walking them through the steps of of recovery and the atonement. And it's an awesome process. And seriously, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how far, like, I don't care. There are no exceptions to that. You are still able to recover. Let's take a break. When we come back in the third block, there are three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. Plus, I've got a few other things up my sleeve to ask you. We'll come back and do that in the third block. <laughs> bestdjinutah.com is a website that you need to go to if you would like to party with me. Now, just because it says Utah as part of the URL does not mean that it has to be in the state of Utah. I've traveled to such illustrious places as Wyoming, Nevada, Texas, Washington, and others, Idaho as well. If uh, if you're having an event and you think, you know what, I would love the energy, the charisma that is Richie uh, to be able to bless the event. I don't know why I said bless. You can hit me up, bestdjinutah.com. Maybe you, you yourself are getting married or has been the case multiple times this year. You are the apparent not a parent, just the parent, uh, or one of the parents, because there's multiple parents. I'm getting distracted. You are one of the parents of the bride or groom, and you think, Richie would be great to be at this event. You can hit me up, bestdjinutah.com. Be sure that you mentioned uh, that you hear it on the cultural hall. I may, in fact, even get you a little bit of a discount. Who knows? We'll see how I feel that day. It's bestdjinutah.com. Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop computer and they start at only $29 a month. Check us out at PCLaptops.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, remember you can become a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall. You just go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. 
we like to say putting your money where your ears are. It helps us to uh, do great things with the cultural hall. Big uh, marketing thing for 2023. We're going to make it so we can reach more people. And the way that we do that is we pay money to other people that tell other people that tell other people to listen to the cultural hall. So if that is something that you are interested in, we would love to have you do that. It's patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. All right, Maddie. So we've got a little less than 20 minutes uh, left in our time together. I I would be curious, is there anything that you feel like we just absolutely have to touch on that I haven't prompted you to share? And if so, spill it, Maddie. Oh, okay. Give me just one second then. I think, I think I'm okay. I think I've gotten everything for the most part that I wanted to say. (laughs) How did you get to be... I mean, you mentioned the book and let's do the title of that book again. It'll be in the show notes. So people, if they want to purchase it, they can. It's called He Restoreth My Soul. I think it's by Donald Hilton. Okay. So people can can find that in the show notes. Aside certainly from your own lived experience, what you've been through and where you are now and, you know, looking forward to the future uh, from the groups that you've been in. Is this something that you have studied outside of all those things to kind of get at the root of it or is it just picked up knowledge along the way oh yeah um so for the past actually (laughs) for my second semester at BYU I got a lot of exceptions made so that I could actually take reduced credits so that I can spend all my time doing this (laughs) really yeah (laughs) and so I have spent and I do not say this exaggerating I've spent every second of my spare time um, either researching or reaching out to people who know way more than I do um, so I can meet with them. Um, yeah, that's so I, I'd say yes, but I'm not at all an expert. I just know a couple of things. <laughs> what What has been something that as you've been on this journey that um, I, I guess I would ask maybe two questions. What do you think is the hardest thing on this journey? And and then I would also be curious, uh, as you've learned about this, what's the thing that you've been most surprised about? Um, hardest part of this journey, man, probably just Satan's really smart <laughs> and really good at what he does. Um, and there and been, by that you mean sort of the temptation part of it? Yeah, well, the temptation part of it, and also just huge. He's really good at the imposter syndrome. Heard that, but it's just feeling like you're not actually all that you claim to be, which isn't even much. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that has been a huge thing. And it's also so being 18 and a girl and kind of uh, bringing a new light to this subject. There have been a lot of thoughts that Satan has brought to me like, oh, like, you're not, you're not all qualified. Like, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're talking about. Why would you ever go share this message? But it's been cool because, yeah, I've had negative feelings, but I've always had an underlying sense of peace because it's not at all my work to be done. Um, It's the Lord's work. So, yeah. And then what was, did you have? And then the other part was surprise. What maybe as you've been studying something or as you've walked this journey, it could be a, a positive surprise or a negative surprise, but something where you go, wow, I didn't think that at all. Mm. Okay, so I was listening to this was a couple days ago. This was like a very interesting thing and just something for anyone who is struggling with pornography to kind of examine. So I was listening to this other podcast and they were talking about whatever needs in your life are not being filled, you will fill those like like look at your like pornography usage and the types of things that you're viewing and looking for and so I just kind of like not to like go into details but I just I had kind of a little revelation of like oh that's actually what I'm missing that's actually what I'm looking for and I don't need to be looking at that from pornography so Hmm. I know that was kind of a vague little (laughs) thing but it was a cool little breakthrough that I had do you remember the podcast that that was we could leave a link for it in the show notes um I think it was talking about fatherlessness and I think it was unashamed and afraid. I can get back to you though on that and send yeah, it to for you. sure. We'll make sure that we include that in the show notes. Uh, other questions that I have sort of along this way, if uh, you know, you, you talk about serving a mission in about six months, what if, uh, what if God was like, Hey, let's put that off and let's, let's do this other mission here. What do you think about that? 
Oh man. Okay. My first response to that question was like, oh, he won't do that. Like I've known I'm going to go on my mission, but <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I don't even know anything at this point yeah. because <laughs> if you would have told me like five years ago that this is what I would be doing and sharing my story on a podcast, mm-hmm. uh, no way. Um, but I, I do have, I have had a couple confirmations and like my patriarchal blessing talks a lot about my mission and again maybe that's maybe a submission for the next life so mm-hmm. i'm keeping my mind open but i am pretty sure i'll, I'll be going <laughs> taking steps toward it for sure have there been people that have been like hey maddie what are you doing why would you tell people about this keep it to yourself either the generation that's like these are private things we don't share these things because they're private or people that are just like you don't want to be labeled the porn girl right i mean people would <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, you're so right. Actually, I have had a pretty positive response, but Good. I think part of the reason why is I've I've talked to people that like are part of the church. I have yet to kind of have those experiences with people outside of the church or people mm-hmm. with different viewpoints. And I'm super open to that. Just haven't had them yet. But um, yeah, it's been a pretty positive response. I'm like, oh, that's cool that you're doing that. And really from the girls that are my age, it's like, yeah, we don't talk about that. And it's always like, yeah, you know, so pretty positive response, which is, I'm really lucky for that. Well, and I think it's something too, you know, as you talk about your patriarchal blessing speaks about a mission and, and, you know, you never really know. We sort of read the tea leaves or the herbal tea leaves, I guess I should say, into what we think that they mean. And, oh, I bet it's this and that kind of stuff. But, but being able to share your story and being able to be honest and open and vulnerable like you are, uh, and and um, getting used to talking to people. I mean, this is very much to God preparing you for just serving a mission in general. And it's not like every day you're going to be like, knock, knock, hi, we're sisters from the church. And also I viewed porn in my later teenage years. Would you like to talk right. about it? Although there will be that opportunity to talk about it. Like the, it is this ultimate preparation to say, all right, here we go. You've you've got a work to do. That's, a, that's an awesome, powerful uh, position to be in. Yeah, I totally agree. So let me ask you this. Um, someone's listening to this. They haven't told anyone. They've told few people. They know that they have an issue um, or maybe they think they have an issue. Or, you know, there's any sort of thing like that. Like, what do, you, what do you say to the person that is not yet settled with where they're at, the trajectory of their life and their and their behaviors? Say something to them at this point. So are you talking specifically about pornography or just someone in general feeling lost? I, I I mean, I think we could probably expound it out to anyone, but I mean, I don't know what if there's much different that would be from pornography to a greater feeling of lostness. Right. That's fair. Um, I said this before and I'll say it again and I'll keep saying it until I die. <laughs> you are not alone. Um, there are other people who are going through this and there are people waiting to help you. And one person in specifically, in specific, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus Christ. And he, he always has his arm outstretched and he really is, he is just waiting. Like if you feel lost, you're, you're headed down this path and Jesus Christ is right there behind you. He's just waiting for you to turn around and accept his help. And so, I mean, my advice is just get on your knees and ask heavenly father to show you show you some of his love um for you because i know from personal experience that's a very very powerful um experience and if you are struggling with addiction any kind of addiction um if and if you're listening to this this is your call to action and this is your sign and i know that satan is gonna he's gonna say yeah that's everybody else's call to action but not yours mm-hmm. yep it's yours <laughs> um just yeah get ready to pick up your sword and declare war on the adversary because that's one of the most amazing experiences that you can have um just don't let the adversary have any room in your mind to fill it with any form of rationalizations um yeah i just want to emphasize it's not a fight fought alone as you share your story and grow yoked with jesus you'll have success and more importantly you'll have failure and that's going to suck but it's going to be awesome because you're going to learn amazing things um yeah jesus is willing to meet you right where you are and you're not alone and you are loved and i kind of i've, I've been thinking about the quote from elder holland um i have it written down so, uh keep loving 
keep trying, keep trusting, keep believing, keep growing. Heaven is cheering you on today, tomorrow, and forever. So I think that's, that's all I got for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well said. There are three questions that we ask everyone who steps into the culture hall. I'll ask those of you now. The first question is, is do you have a calling? And if so, what is it? I do. I am the ward choir director. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Now, let me ask you this about that. Are you able to conduct in uh, in five-eighths time? Can you do it? Or do you keep everything in the three-four and the four-four so you don't have to do the loopy on the five? Yeah, I'm good with the three-four and four-four. I'm, I'm struggling with that. <laughs> yeah. All right. But, or I guess it's six-eighths, right? Not five-eighths. Five, I mean, if you're feeling crazy, I guess you can do yeah. five-eighths. It's nine eights, whatever. We get yeah. we get fancy. Uh, if you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? Hmm. I mean, a little biased, I guess, but I'd probably want to work with the young women. Maybe like young some type of young women's leader. I just want to be around all those awesome, awesome people. Let me ask you, uh, kind of a, as a side on that, what do you think uh, the role that young women's leaders could have in this with women? Do you think it's it's an appropriate thing that they, you know, within the ward, they say, hey, parents of young women at, at this thing, we're going to have a young women's night and talk about pornography. Like, is that a, a step that we need to take towards or or what, what what could be done? What's the role of the young woman's advisor in a situation like this? Um, I so I think, yes, like having those nights, that would be awesome. But I think the first step is just when you're talking about it, be so aware of how you're talking about it. And another thing is be aware of what pronouns you're using when you're talking about it. Like be sure to, if, if I were to hear at 13, yeah, like, like she's struggling with pornography. I think my whole life trajectory would have changed and I would have gotten into that Bishop's office much faster. And so honestly, like that's step one. And I think we can start there. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love a first step. The final question that we ask everyone uh, and ask you to interpret it however you may. But the question remains, what is your favorite part of your faith? Mm. Um, I think just how much it's grown. And so I'm I'm a little bit, I'm kind of a skeptic of some things. And I used to kind of look down on people that would be like, oh, okay, well, that's the truth. Okay, let's just follow blindly. Mm -hmm. um, and so just to see kind of how it's changed of like, those people actually aren't following blindly. They're just following in faith. And so kind of switching that and I don't know, just seeing how that's grown and I'm able to not follow blindly, but follow with the direction of the spirit. And maybe to people like I used to be a couple of years ago, maybe I look like an idiot and that's okay. <laughs> But yeah, I'd say that's that's my favorite thing is just becoming more firm in my faith. If people wanted to uh, reach out to you or be able to talk to you or anything like that, is there a way that you've made available for people to do that? Yes. Um, so I have an email address. It's called Sisters in the Fight. Sisters spelled S-I-S-T-A-S -S, and then in the fight at gmail.com. And so I you can send any emails <laughs> and you can send it there. We'll make sure and leave a link for that in the show notes as well. Sisters in the fight at gmail.com been visiting with Maddie. Uh, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week. And then when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless and chocolate cake bites podcast. We'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the cultural hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be 